Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We're currently in a series called Teach Us to Pray, where we're exploring what Jesus taught his disciples about prayer, and we're going to be borrowing heavily from the Practicing the Way resources. Uh, Just a quick note, our teaching often does include a decent amount of discussion and community response, and we do intentionally edit that out in order to preserve confidentiality and the Sunday experience. Uh, So you'll likely not be hearing the full content or context of the teaching, uh, but still, our hope is that this will encourage you, it will equip you, and really, we're just so honored that you would listen in. So, here it is. All right, well, John Ortberg says this, Anytime you see life flourishing, it is because it is receiving nourishment from outside of itself. Anytime you see life flourishing, it is because it is receiving nourishment from outside of itself. So, (laughs) begs the question. Thank you, Iris. (laughs) How is your nourishment going? How is your soul? (laughs) Where are you receiving nourishment? If I was to ask you to draw a picture, I won't, don't worry. Uh, But if I was asking you to draw a picture, uh, and you were to draw the condition of your soul, a picture of your soul, what would it look like? Really, like, think about it. What would it look like right now? Uh, Many of you know, we have a name called Sanctuary. Welcome to Sanctuary Church. Our vision is actually to become a sanctuary. If we... We know that when we come to God, He's the sanctuary is the dwelling place of God. It's the place He dwells, He belongs to. And we Amanda led us so beautifully today and just that theme of coming and beholding Jesus. But it's not just to gather in the sanctuary, it's actually then to go and to be in the community and to carry the presence of God wherever we go. To be overflowing with the presence of God, to bump into people and people actually taste something and, and oh. Diana, what is it about her? Oh, it's, she's like Jesus. Yeah. Ryan, like when I'm around Ryan, it reminds me, it, it's, like, it's like Jesus. I mean, that's the, that's the idea of sanctuary. So we've got this big vision, but if you're like me, you're like, that is not <laughs> how I feel or live. So the big question is, how in the world are we going to like live out this call to become a sanctuary? We've been in a series called Teach Us to Pray. This is the last time that you will get to see this beautiful graphic of painting, uh, the start of a beautiful painting, this idea that we're building this picture of prayer together. Um, and we've been going through the materials from John Mark Comer, Practicing the Way. Um, and in, uh, in two weeks, we're going to return back to our series called Just Jesus, going through Mark. We'll be marching verse by verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark, looking at the character of Jesus. Um, and so, if you're a fan of more expo- expositional teaching, don't worry, we're coming back there. Um, but, uh, but today we're closing out this series, and we're going to talk about what I think is a tool, is something that can help us live into our name. And that's a type of prayer that throughout history the church has called contemplative prayer. Um, and we've been using this analogy of a child learning to talk over these four weeks that we've been learning about this prayer. Can anyone 
name or talk about what we've learned so far in these four stages. We're going to be a little interactive this morning. So feel free to shout it out. Anything that you can glean from the last few weeks. Yeah, so the first phase, talking to God, it's actually Jesus gives us some preset prayers like the Lord's Prayer, or there's others through scriptures that saints and the church have said for thousands of years, and yeah, we get to join our voice in with it. It's amazing to think that when we say the Lord's Prayer, that we're saying the same words that Jesus said, and this disciple said, and Paul said, and Peter said, and Aquinas said, you know, and Augustine said, and we're joining our voices in. But yeah, talking to God. Next phase, talking with God. We talked about the three types of prayers, general, broad, um, that we can give, prayers of gratitude and thanks, prayers of lament when we're frustrated or upset or sad about something, and then prayers of petition and intercession when we're asking for things. Um, and then a few weeks ago, I talked about listening to God, prayer, listening prayer. How do we hear? And today, talking about just simply being with God. And it's this image of a child when a child learns to talk, First of all, you give them vocabulary, dad, dad, mom, mom. You, you give them words to say. And then they get to a phase, some of you are in it right now, where they talk and talk a lot. <laughs> they start talking. They put together their own phrases. And, and that's part of limb learning. And then there's a, phrase, a phase when they're not just talking at you, but they actually want to hear what you have to say. And that's a really special phrase. Actually, you get to commune with them and communicate with them on a whole different level. And then you get to a, a phase in relationships where actually you don't even have to say anything at all. You can just be with someone. And I, I love this image because it highlights kind of the relational image of prayer, that it's not just about empty practices or something you have to do, tasks, tactics to learn, a life hack for like a more serene or complete life. Like it, it actually is, no, this, it, prayer is an invitation to increasing intimacy with the Father. Um, and the health of any relationship is only as good, of course, as the health of the communication. Uh, and so we've been learning how, what is healthy communication with the Father, God our Father, um, looks like. So today we're looking at being with God. And I thought a great illustration of this for me um, was yesterday I woke up pretty early. I was hoping to sleep in on my Saturday, but I wasn't able to do it. But I, I walked out, and actually right as I walked out of the door, Josie, our daughter, also walked out of the door. Uh, it's like 6.15 in the morning or something. And I could tell she was up. All right, so we're going to be up for the day. And then, so but I got my coffee and I just asked her, hey, would you want to like just get on the couch and grab a couple books and read with me? And so she's like, yeah, that'd be great. And so we snuggled up in the couch together, got a blanket, and just probably for an hour just read. And it was just such this cool experience. We didn't say anything together, but it was just like me and my daughter, Josie, spending time together just being with We didn't have to use words, you know. And when you when you start dating with someone, you can actually tell the level of intimacy you have with someone by your comfort with silence, right? When you start dating, Kelsey and I started dating, there was a lot of talking. We went out to dinner. If I just invited her out to coffee for the first date and like didn't say anything, it'd be a little awkward, right? <laughs> but now we spend lots of time just actually not saying anything, just being next to each other. And that's a sign of our intimacy in our relationship. So that's the big idea today, uh, being with God. And so we're going to open up um, scripture, and uh, we're actually only going to look at one verse today. There'll be some other verses throughout, but um, if you want to turn uh, on your Bible, in your Bible, or 
punch it in your, on your app, or just look above. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Um, would someone be able to, with a loud voice, read this out? You can see it on your screen. Read this out for us. Yes. Uh, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Awesome. It's the word of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3.18. So let's, um, should we break into groups or just have a group discussion? What do we think? Let's break into groups real quick. Um, well, yeah, just pair up in threes or fours. What we do every week is we look at the scripture. We actually then ask two, ourselves two questions. What does this say about God? And then what does this say about people? So the scripture will be on your, on your screen. We're just going to take three minutes, group up, ask, answer those questions. We'll come back and report what we learned. Sound good? So yeah, we got one group here, one group here, one group in the back here. You can be a big group. That's great. All right, maybe just uh, one more minute and then we'll come back together. All right, well, let's gather back. Curious what everyone gleaned from this. Yeah. Should we start with this mega group over here? <laughs> God loves us a lot. <laughs> That's a great, yes. God loves us a lot. Amen. Yeah, who is doing the transforming? <laughs> Who's doing the work? Yeah, it is interesting to see, yeah, the actions on each, each party. That's a great observation. You touched on a good point. There is a vulnerability. There is a fear. There is a, like, ex- exposing yourself to the God. Yeah, it's, it, there is a little trepidation in, in that as well. I think you picked up on a great point. It's awesome. And this is a verse that actually the church historically, and if you look at, like, the Desert Fathers or the mystics or the... The people that are like really into <laughs> contemplative prayer, this is the verse that they hold on to as where they get contemplate contemplative prayer. And so, yeah, the word contemplate, you hit it on. Well, actually, but even before this, I mean, it's, it's almost this image of a bride, as we've talked about, unveiling, you know, and, uh, and, and being seen coming to, you know, her husband, which, you know, the gospel is a picture. One of the images in scripture of the gospel in the church is... The union of Christ, the the uh, we becoming married, we're the bride of Christ, married to Christ, and there's that intimacy. I mean, it, literally the intermingling of souls, which Paul says points to the church and Jesus and the gospel, and um, so there's this intimacy in this in this picture that we see. And the word contemplate in Greek, I think it's kataptrizo, uh, to which which. Uh, when I was looking at it, to, one of the definitions to gaze at, which goes into like looking into the mirror, it kind of um, goes into what you were saying, to gaze at or direct the inner gaze of your heart at. So when I think about contemplate, it's more like pondering and thinking, but actually there is a sense of like looking at something, gazing at something in the mirror, what you, what you look at. So there's this wordless communion that's come to be called contemplation. Uh, other people call it beholding prayer. What are we beholding? Glory. God's presence and his beauty. Um, and to be honest, all cards on the table, this is the type of prayer that I probably feel the least comfortable with, that I'm probably the least practiced at. And uh, I, would, I would guess many of us would feel like, actually, we feel pretty childlike when we try to do this, sit in silence, gazing on the beauty. Like 30 seconds goes by and we're like, 
what's for dinner? Uh, <laughs> you know, like this is, so this is something I'm working on. And this, this, this week has really ministered to me and hopefully we can learn together. But there's basically three dimensions of this um, contemplative prayer. And I'm breaking it out into looking, yielding, and resting. Looking, yielding, resting. So we'll go through each of these, talk about why it might be hard to do this and how we can overcome it. Sound good? So looking. So the idea of contemplative prayer is looking at God who's looking at you in love. Looking at God, looking at you in love. And um, I love that picture because I think we all have something in us where we long to be seen, we long to be known, we long to see and to be seen, to know someone deeply and be known, to gaze at beauty, but also to have someone gaze at us and then to be found beautiful. And um, you can study all sorts of different, you know, science and psychology these days. Uh, Ryan probably could come up here and teach about this, like the importance that are of like eye contact uh, in your psychology uh, background, important eye contact. And I mean, I've been studies of like attunement theory and attachment theory of young babies, like the importance of eye contact. But I found a few studies. One was in 1997, a psychologist, Arthur Aaron, published an article called The Experimental Generation of Interpersonal Closeness. Um, But basically, this has become known, you may have heard of it. Basically, they found, this person suggested, Aaron suggested, that he can make two strangers fall in love by simply doing two practices. Uh, so you got two strangers, made them look at each other, and they asked 30, a series of 36 questions. And both of them had a chance asking and then answering. And um, yeah, these 36 questions, it's become known kind of in popular culture now as the 36 questions that lead to love. And these are questions of, you know, just get to know you, well, like such as if you could invite anyone in history to dinner, who would it be? But also questions of like actually noticing the other person. So one of the examples is what's two things that you admire about your partner? So that's the first exercise. And then after that was done, he had them, the two, two strangers, sit in silence, maintaining eye contact with each other for four minutes. <laughs> After the study, he found that many of the partners expressed interest in each other and getting, getting to know each other outside of the study, and many of them even started dating, which tells you how important this idea of being seen and being gazed at. Another example, um, this is uh, Marina Abramovich, a performance artist in red. In 2010, you may have seen this, at the New York MoMA, she put on an exhibit called The Artist is Present. And this exhibit was just her, uh, oh yeah, yeah, you can go back to the other slide for a second. It's just her sitting into, in, a, in a chair and she was gonna have an empty chair next to her and the exhibit was just anyone who wanted to for a period of two minutes could come and sit and look at the artist uh, for present. So she did this um, for three months and they were really worried. I mean, this was a performance artist. They're really worried that no one was actually, I mean, it's New York. I mean, people are busy, like people aren't, you know, known to be like friendly and want, want this and um, she was, they were worried the museum was worried that no one was going to sit and what happened is over these three months six days a week seven and a half hours a day the chair was only empty for less than a minute over 1500 New Yorkers lined up to participate in this for two minutes to get their two minutes including by the way Jay-Z Lou Reed and Bjork um, there was a constant line, even some people sleeping outside 
of the museum just to have their chance to be sit. And you can go to the next slide now. Here are some of the pictures of the emotion that happened. People crying, people in tears. There was a documentary about it you can, you can see. But um, the, this artist, Marina, said, nobody could imagine that anybody would take time to sit and just engage in mutual gaze with me. It was complete surprise, this enormous need of humans to actually have contact. Now, if we need this from each other, imagine what happens to our soul when we have this experience with our Creator. Looking at each other, receiving the gaze from the Heavenly Father. David puts it this way in Psalm 27. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred heart and set me high upon a rock. This is Mary in Luke 2. There's that great verse where it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Psalm, 1, Psalm 11, verse 7 says, The upright shall behold the Lord's face. Looking at God, looking back at you in love. A.W. Tozer says, Faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze at the heart of the triune God. Believing, then, is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It is lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God and never ceasing that beholding for the rest of our lives. At first, this may be difficult, but it becomes easier as we look steadily at his wondrous person, quietly and without strain. So that's the first dimension, looking, looking at God, looking at you in love. But the second aspect is actually yielding, yielding. And um, there's one type of prayer, talking with God, which we talked about intercession and petition and contending with God. That's great. We're asking, we're, we're fighting for something in prayer. We're wanting something from God. But there's actually another dimension of prayer, which is yielding. Um, we see this in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He started out that prayer saying, Father, take this cup. He's asking God something. He's, take this cup. But he ends it with, not my will, but your will be done. There's a yielding, a letting go of outcomes, a surrendering to God's will. And that's at the heart of contemplative prayer. I am learning. It's, God, here I am. I am yours. It's not submission as much as it is surrendering to love. And I, I think I heard one author talk about that scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Jesus sweating drops of blood. And he said, man, if I was seeing Jesus in that place, so stressed out in prayer, I would have been a little bit worried about the outcome of what was going to happen. If he couldn't handle the place of prayer without sweating drops of blood, I mean, why couldn't he have just been like his three disciples who were like sitting there in serene peace, sleeping? But he said... When the test came, it was Jesus who walked to the cross with courage. And his three friends were the ones that fell apart and fell away. It's in the death of our own desires that there is resurrection of power. 
It's when, it's, it's when we give up and we yield. It's in the place of prayer that we fight and then we yield to God. And from that place, there is a fuel for power. And this is hard. Um, it's, I mean, it's a grand, grandiose example of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But, man, I mean, even just in the little things. Last week, uh, Kelsey and I had a fight. Uh, late at night, we were, um, I came in and I was working through something, a strategy, and I was just trying to figure it out. And I was all angsty and like just trying to figure out how are we going to get this done. And Kelsey found out that, or like could clearly tell that I was like struggling with something. And so I brought her into it and we started like hashing it out. And she was like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. It's late. I'm tired. Can we just pray? And I kind of just ignored it and kept going on. And I, we didn't end up praying that night. Uh, at all and um and it was because this because i was i was trying to figure it out in my own strength i wasn't able to let go i wasn't able to yield but there's that place when and and you know you get in that space where you're just trying to figure it out and actually the contemplative prayer lets us yield richard Rohr says it is a wonder that anyone continues the dangerous journey of prayer (laughs) which is by the way step-by-step walk into divine intimacy and soul intimacy at the same time. To fall back into the source, we first feel more like losing than growing, more like dying than achieving, especially if we have been building and maintaining our own personal container for years. Yet we prefer to talk only about being born again, forgetting that something cannot be born again unless something first dies. Wow. Maybe a little more positive spin on, on it. Richard Foster says, The prayer of relinquishment, which is what this is, yielding, is a bona fide letting go. But it is a release with hope. We have no fatalistic resignation. We are buoyed up by a confident trust in the character of God. Even when all we see are the tangled threads on the backside of life's tapestry, we know that God is good and is out to do us good always that gives us hope to believe that we are the winners regardless of what we are being called upon to relinquish god is inviting us deeper in and higher up there is training in righteousness transforming power new joys deeper intimacy part of the answer lies in the fact that frequently we hold on so tightly to the good that we do not know that we cannot receive the greater good that we do not know. God has to help us let go of our tiny vision in order to release the great good he has in store for us. So that's part two, yielding. Looking at God and then yielding to him. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and it is interesting. Everything in our world is kind of conspiring against us from sitting in that place of silence looking at our own self in, in the face of the holy. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, the third aspect, uh, so we've got looking, yielding. The third aspect is resting. And this kind of gets to actually what you were saying um, with the condemnation piece. But a few weeks ago when I opened up the prayer or the sermon for listening prayer, I shared a story about an interview that Dan Rather had with Mother Teresa in 60 Minutes. You may have remembered it. Um, Dan Rather was interviewing Mother Teresa and said, you know, when you pray to God, what do you say? And Mother Teresa kind of stopped him in his tracks when she, she responded to him. Well, I don't, I don't say anything. I, I just listen. 
And you could tell Dan Rather was a little like flustered. So, and, and so, but, but I, didn't, I didn't say the next part of the story. He then responded to Mother Teresa and he said, okay, well then, what does God say to you? Yeah. And she responded, well, he doesn't say anything. He listens. <laughs> and, then he, and, then he, and then she said something like, and if you don't understand that, there's not much more else. There's not much else I can say. <laughs> and he was taken aback. But, but asking, petitioning, intercessing, like the prayer that we're kind of norm, we think about normally, it's a lot of work. It sounds like work, and it is. <laughs> but um, because you're wrestling, you're co-laboring with God, you're trying to bring His kingdom to bear in our life and in this world. Like there is a work to it. And in fact. Um, Orthodox Jews prohibit you praying intercessory prayers on the Sabbath <laughs> for that reason. But contemplative prayer is much different. It's more like rest. It's sitting in the presence of the Father. It's a portable Sabbath, if you will. Um, it feels very different than the previous stages. It's, not, it's less something we do and more of letting God do something to us. It's a medium by which we experience the love of God. It's not productive, Therefore, you know, therefore we don't sense like we're doing a lot when we're on the bus, and, you know, but it is potent. It's not practical, but it is powerful. It's not efficient, but it is effective. Um, Richard Rohr, again, again, this goes right back to what you were saying. Prayer in my latter years has become simply letting myself be nakedly known as I am in all my ordinariness, face to face without any masks or even religious makeup. And it's in this place, though, when we feel exposed, when we feel the veil is gone, when we feel naked in front of God, it's in that place that we find love. Ephesians 3, verse 16 through 19 says, I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is a type of prayer and how we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In the midst of a world full of chronic fatigue, where we're addicted to performance, this type of prayer is resting, receiving the gift of God's love for us, receiving our identity as well-loved sons and daughters of the Father, then offering our worship back to him. So that's the third aspect of it. Looking, yielding, and resting in his love. Looking at God, looking at us in love. So, church, uh, question for us. Why is this challenging? <laughs> Why is this hard? Has anyone tried this before and found it, maybe, maybe at least two of us, found it difficult? What, what gets in the way? Feel free to chime in. We don't like being vulnerable? Yes. And it is. That's why I didn't respond to Kelsey <laughs> when she said to prayer. I don't want to pray. I want to figure it out. Because I had anxiety. I was anxiety in my heart. I was 
anxiously toiling, and I didn't want that reality to come to a holy God. Yeah, I read, as you were talking about hurry, I was reading this, you may have heard this too, but there's a book that came out in 2000, I studied your attention span, and this was before the phones and everything, and we had an attention span on average of 12 seconds, which isn't a lot to begin with, if you think about it in general. Uh, In 2015, that 12 seconds had gone to 8.25 seconds in just a span of 15 years. Which the crazy thing about that is a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. So we actually are less attentive than goldfish. Feels really good. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it. That's it. That's it. And, and that was eight years ago. Who knows where we are right now, you know? Um, I mean, when we I do in my business some sort of some kind of like social media ads and you do a video and you're, this big stat is how many people watch it over a second. <laughs> if you can get someone to watch your video over a second, that is success in today's world. Um, so, but yeah, it is. It's a real thing. When distraction is huge and kind of inter- interrelated. Thomas Keating has a famous quote. He says, if you, because um, I get discouraged in prayer. So I, I go to pray and thinking about whatever. And Thomas Keating says, if you get distracted a thousand times in prayer, that's a thousand times to come back to Jesus. It's a thousand opportunities to come back to Jesus. And so I just want to say, if you like start this and you feel like terrible because you can't actually hold your attention for more than 8.25 seconds, it's okay. You're not alone. It's, it's normal. Everyone does it. And just come back to the Father. It is something you can learn. You can practice this prayer and silence and contemplative prayer. And there's a few um, resources, too. So if, you're on, if you go to sanctuarysf.com slash teach us to pray, it'll take you to a landing page with a great uh, a few resources. There's a podcast I really highly encourage you to listen to. It goes into this deeper. Some practices that you can, re- you can actually practice. There's a 10-minute like, guided exercise. It's really good. Um, so just, just know that that's available for you, too. Um, but I want to spend our final minutes just saying, all right, this is hard. It is difficult. It is exposing. It is not something that we learn naturally to do. No one in our society is training us how to do this. <laughs> in fact, the opposite, right? There's vying for our attention. But why is it worth it? What are we going for? What, why, why should we press, it, press ahead in this? And it goes back to 2 Corinthians 3.18. You hit on it already. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. It's so that we can be changed. This is the process of being formed into Christ's likeness. Transformed, in a sense, we hit on it, Transform, transformation means completely new, right? Like worm to butterfly. Metamorphosis is basically the same word, the Greek word that we get metamorphosis is transformed. But it's also this process. It's also this, you know, being transformed. It's this interesting thing. So contemplative prayer is at the heart of spiritual formation. And this is the truth that I want to land on. We become what we look at. We become what we gaze at. Whether that's the TV or the Trinity. We become it. How many of you have someone you know that in the last several election cycles got pulled into political TV? Have you noticed they've become a little bit more angry, a little bit more sensationalized? 
Maybe if you spend your hours looking at racy Netflix series, maybe just maybe your heart becomes a little bit more addictive, a little bit more lustful. If you spend time scrolling social media, which is my vice, always notice my heart gets a little bit more anxious, a little bit more competitive, a little bit more trying to put up my appearances. But if we look at Jesus, it says we become like him. <laughs> we become like him. It's amazing. Um, and there's actually some recent brain science about this. There was a secular neurolo- neuroscientist, Dr. Andrew Newberg. He says, if you contemplate God long enough, something surprising happens in your brain. Neural functioning begins to change. We have a nervous system that actively participates in its own neural construction, something we do not see in other animal brains. There's something different about our brain. And actually, we can learn. We can get better at this. And there is something to this when we contemplate God. Actually, our own physical bodies change. I can give you more details on that study if you want. It's actually really fascinating. Um, But when we contemplate the love of God coming to us, it literally rewires our brain. Which is really important that we are studying the God of the Bible. We have a Christianly view of God who loves us. Because if we view God as an angry despot in the sky, that also changes us too. But sitting with God in love, that's why it's so, so essential. The last thing I'll leave us with is this, Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. You, got, you mentioned this too, that, that idea of shame. We're afraid to come to Jesus. How can we overcome that? Paul picks up on this verse in Psalm 34, those who look at him in radiant. In Ephesians 5, where he says that Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her radiant. It says this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. What does it mean that Jesus gave himself up for the church? It says in Isaiah 53 that the Messiah, quote, had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. It says he was ugly. It says Jesus was ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Here he is, God, the most beautiful, glorious being that ever could possibly be. And Isaiah 53 says he became ugly. Why? So that we could have his beauty. So he could give us his beauty death. He came to earth and died so that we could have his beauty. That we could look to him and become radiant. That's the gift of contemplative prayer. That through the cross, through the resurrection, we can come to him. We can look at this beautiful, glorious God looking at us. His beautiful, glorious bride who is being transformed by this beauty. And all of this is happening out of his love. And this church is how we're going to become a sanctuary. This church is how we're going to live in the world that brings the presence and the aroma of Christ everywhere we go, every step we take. Church, what are we looking at? What are you looking at? Because anything, anytime you see life flourishing, it's receiving nourishment from outside of itself. How's your soul? He's inviting you with an unveiled face to behold his beauty and to be transformed. 
I told you about that um, MoMA presentation, um, Marina, and the, the title of the performance art was called The Artist is Present. You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> the artist, the greatest artist in the whole world, the artist that painted the sunrise this morning, they'll paint the sunset this evening, the artist that made us and formed us in our mother's womb, the artist is present, if I will. He's sitting at the chair. He's got an empty chair. And he's waiting for us to come and sit and gaze in his presence. The invitation is open for us today. Should we practice? <laughs> we've got a few minutes. It's so busy in our world, but we've got time now. Just want to, pr- let me pray over us. And then actually I would love us just to spend a few minutes in the silence. Dan's got some great music without words that he's going to play for us. And then let's just take a few minutes to receive the love of Jesus before we leave this morning. Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you make us radiant, that you've done everything necessary. You've come to the cross. You've come. You've poured out yourself so that we could be clothed in righteousness, so we could be clothed in your beauty, so that we could be found with your eyes gazing towards us and you find us beautiful, (laughs) you find us glorious. Despite what we've done, despite who we are, Father, that you're inviting us into a deep and intimate relationship with you, Jesus. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, that this is possible. God, we ask for help. Ask for help that we could see you like this, where we don't have images of God our Father who loves us. We don't have an image of you that you want to be in our presence, that you're just sitting waiting for us, where it feels like we need to clean ourselves up, where it feels like we need to get some things ready, we need to check some boxes, Father. Would you help us know that, no, you're waiting. You're waiting. You've set the table. You've done everything for us. Yeah, would we look at you, Father, and as we look at you, would you make this church, would you make us radiant and beautiful like you? Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.